Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And we're a group of people who don't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kirsty. What, Kelsey? Pew, 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 pew. pew. <laughs> What's that sound? <laughs> it's the little finger news bulletin. I feel like something happened on Game of Thrones tonight that we should address. In regards to the Littlefinger news bulletin. I feel like a lot of things happened on Game of Thrones tonight that we should address. <laughs> and before we begin, and we are going to begin with the Littlefinger news bulletin, but before we begin, I just want to clarify, we're not going to get to all of it. So just, like, accept that now. Yeah. But also, let's talk about the Littlefinger news bulletin. Yeah, so some things happened. What's the news, Kelsey? You got a point in our fantasy league. I actually won the fantasy league. You did. With this episode. A whole two to one, y'all. I know, it's impressive. Which, that may actually be, like, the saddest death stats that this show has ever given us. It's true. (laughs) We've been feeling really insecure this entire season about the fantasy league that we ended up drafting, because not nearly enough characters died, right? Especially compared to what we're used to from Game of Thrones at this point. Yeah. That being said, I do not feel bad about the way in which that I won. No, it was glorious. It was glorious. I'm actually like a little peeved because I liked that scene. They did a good job. That scene was great. It was well made. It came full circle on multiple plots that have been unfolding throughout the entire series And it validated what everyone suspected, based on what we know about Arya and Sansa as characters, that there was no way that they were dumb enough to be played by Littlefinger. And Raisin Bran served a fucking purpose. And Raisin Bran finally decided to, like, fucking tell people that he knew a thing. A couple things, in fact. Yeah. Like, think the fucking Lord above you finally decided that it was worth someone else knowing what it meant to be the three-eyed emo. (laughs) jesus fucking christ my favorite line of this entire series over seven seasons was when samuel tarley came in and was like what you been doing around you know beyond the wall and he goes i became the three-eyed raven he goes oh 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 that's nice (laughs) and then he goes i don't know what that means (laughs) means like all it took in the seven episodes that different people have asked Bran what it means was someone finally fucking saying like I don't get the reference right I, I need to drink like twice. a life lesson if someone fucking pretentious is like just running around saying pretentious shit to you just be like oh I gotta drink twice because I don't get the reference because then that fucker has gotta explain it to you mm-hmm. that's what I learned from Bran Raisin Bran <laughs> oh Raisin Bran <laughs> but anyway, um, so L- Lil Finger is no more. So Lil Finger is no more. We should probably like light up five thousand candles in the wind for him. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like the Westerosi equivalent of five thousand candles in the wind, and I don't think they have it. No, I mean they have candles. So I guess they could do that. They could do a candle vigil if they wanted. (laughs) Would it be the same, though? 
No. It's a bit of a shame because I did write down all of Littlefinger's script from the first scene that he was in. <laughs> it was so loaded. It was super loaded, including more foreshadowing that Danny is going to get hella knocked out. Oh, yeah. But now Littlefinger's dead, so none of his eyebrow waggle matters anymore. It's a little disappointing, but he had a good run. No, it's worth it. This is the first time all season that this fucking plot has come full circle. Yeah. Like, even the stupid scene was well written. I'm still angry. I know! Except the only part of it that was not well written is the part that they bring Arya in and Sansa says her first line, which is... You know, you're charged with murder and some other shit. Do you have anything to say for yourself? Dot, dot, dot. Lord Baelish. Oh, yeah. Like, that was like that was <laughs> NCIS the only level shit happening. <laughs> <laughs> However, it was redeemed by the look that comes over Littlefinger's face. Mm-hmm. That like shocked blink that he does where he's like, blink, blink. What? That was worth that line. However, the rest of the scene was like, if I had seen that in any other context of any other show that I respect, I would have been super here for it. Yeah. So that was legit. Good on you, dick on and dick off for doing one thing right. (laughs) The Daves were dick on in that scene. (laughs) Oh, by the way, what y'all have missed in the meantime is I now refer to all the showrunners as the Daves. (laughs) So just drink twice and accept it moving on. Right. Uh, So what else happened that you want to talk about? Well, most important of all, we got 12 dick jokes out of this episode. And the the first six of them, so a full half dozen of them, were in the opening scene. I want to describe to you, I was handwriting my notes. And I said, I wrote down men without cocks, because that was the first one. And then I wrote down times two, because there were two. And then I wrote a three over the two, and then I wrote a four over the three, and then I wrote a five. And I was, it looks like this, like, jumble of numbers, because I couldn't keep up with myself. Can you please take a picture of that and tweet it? Of course. I was transcribing the quotes and sending them to Kelsey in the Slack channel, like, dick joke, dick joke, dick joke. <laughs> <You were. laughs> I was like, this one counts. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And our favorite, I think, was that we had our first, in my memory, our first non-verbal dick joke. <laughs> that was, without a single trace of irony, my favorite thing that has happened Definitely in this show, but maybe in all of television. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever seen a single plotline come full circle the way it did in the moment where, where Theon's getting kicked in the dick and can't feel it because Theon doesn't have one. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> the physical comedy of that moment is so fucking good. It was so great. <laughs> like, they have spent so much time making sure that you remember that Theon has no penis. And now I know why. <laughs> we all know why. 
<laughs> Although we still don't care why. No, I care why because now, like, Theon would not have survived that fight if he had a dick because the other guy would have kicked him in the dick and then he would have been, like, writhing in pain and the other guy would have taken his army and left Yara to die. But because Theon doesn't have a dick, the other guy, like, didn't win the fist fight. Theon, the weakling, did. And now Theon gets to take the army to sail away to go rescue Yara for reasons. So the stakes of his dick were actually surprisingly high. But the... (laughs) Oh, boy. But that leads me to my gripe of this episode, which is I don't give a flying fuck about Theon. Just Theon or Theon and Yara? Because you said Theon and Yara earlier. Both. Together, apart. I don't care. I don't care about the Greyjoys. Either way, I'm with you, but, like, tell me more. Expand on that thought like the dick that Theon doesn't have. (laughs) I just think... His story should have ended when he was left floating on a door, or, like, months before that in... I don't know, time is meaningless here. (laughs) Time is so meaningless. I just don't care. I don't think he's important to this narrative, and I never cared about Yara because they didn't build her up enough for me to care. So Uh why are we spending so much time and, like, blowing our brains out listening to that conversation (laughs) between him and John? in front of the bespoke throne. Uh, The only thing that made that scene tolerable was the bespoke throne. It's true. I texted Kelsey during that scene because I'm drinking Game of Thrones branded wine, which at the time that I bought it at a discount liquor store, I thought that it was beer and it turned out it was Chardonnay. And I have regretted my choice all night. But I texted Kelsey during that scene and was like, my wine is too disgusting for me to waterfall my way through this. (laughs) And it is because, what the fuck was that scene even? Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. It was so much. I got nothing out of it in terms of the two of them as characters or, like, character development. They didn't get anything out of each other either. I'm assuming that you were supposed to learn from it that, like, Theon has learned some self-awareness, maybe? Maybe Theon has learned that integrity matters? Maybe, but uh, why? This is the season finale of this fucking show. We don't need a five-minute scene of them talking about their feelings when it doesn't matter. The only thing I can think is that you needed to have a scene of Theon exploring his guilt before Theon then went and stood for something. Like, they needed to show Theon being reflective before they showed Theon acting on courage. Because otherwise there would be no explanation for why Theon would suddenly decide to do the right thing. He just seems like a, like a hop-on for the whole episode. Because, like, when they were in their weird gladiator area, he was there. I don't know why he was involved in that meeting. But it's not even been the whole episode. Like, Deed has been a hop-on since season one. Yeah. There, like, you could, as of this episode, the only single thing I will give to this episode, not the entire series and certainly not the Daves, is that there were moments where I could sort of see where certain plots were going and why we had to go through the whole convoluted process of the last seven fucking seasons to get there. Theon is not one of those. Like, right. I don't understand what we as the audience has learned by having to carry Theon from season one to now and everything Theon has been through. However, Theon has been a fucking hop-on since season one when we were introduced to him as the Stark's ward. And 
from my read, the best we can get is that we needed to carry him from season one to now so that he could have the whole conversation with John in the bespoke throne room about how Theon is part Stark and part Greyjoy, after all. Like, apparently all of Game of Thrones was supposed to be an argument about nature versus nurture. Do you think it's going to be for when John finds out that he's not really a Stark? Oh, fuck. Like, the moment when he realizes he's actually a Targaryen all along? Yeah. Maybe. And, well, it clearly, for John was coming from a place of having to wrestle with identity, right? Because John's whole story all along has been that he doesn't really know who he is, because even though he's kind of a Stark, he's not really a Stark. So what does it mean to be a bastard? And, like, what y'all are missing is me doing the air quotes for that entire sentence. (laughs) So you're probably right that it's setting him up to have an additional existential crisis when he realizes that he's not just part Ned and not just part Stark, but also part Targaryen. Right. Because as we know from the extended monologue, the sexy time monologue, which I actually pulled a fantastic quote from inside the episode from the writers about. Tell me more. I'm ready to transition. Okay, well, so this is also my gripe. So <laughs> so I will qualify before we get into my gripe that my gripe is, well, first of all, I took down 11 gripes for this episode, which, as you may remember from a few minutes ago, is one less dick joke than the number of dick jokes this episode. <laughs> Take that for what you will. I'm not going to give you all 11 gripes, though, because we're only allowed one, as Kelsey reminded me back in episode one. So my one gripe is is the entire inside the episode. (laughs) Because, oh my God, did they say some shit. I love this part of our by knobs. (laughs) (laughs) So what one of the Daves said, I don't remember which Dave it was, and like, don't at us because I know that one of them is named Dave or David and the other one has a different D name. I don't remember what it is, but like they're both Daves. So one of them said, I would say one of the challenges of this scene, referring to the scene in which Danny and John finally get boned, is presenting information that the majority of the audience already had, but in a new way. And one of the ways was a montage. No. An information bomb. No. (laughs) They didn't say that. You said that. I missed, like, three words in between in a new way and, like, an information bomb. However, (laughs) those two parts of the sentence were accurate, minus the, like, couple of words I missed. No. Yes. Y'all go back and watch inside the episode. I swear to God, they said that about the montage in which Bronn is telling Sam that Jon is actually a Targaryen, while in the background, Jon and Danny are getting hella laid. I mean, that was also uncomfortable because, like, let me tell you this quaint little story that explains the incest that's happening as our backdrop. Like, (laughs) what? Because then I didn't actually write this quote down, but the Daves go on to talk about, a different Dave goes on to talk about the fact that we find out in, in that montage that... John is obviously a Targaryen, and that John is obviously the one with the claim to the throne. And Bran says in the VO, we need to tell him as he's like thrusting. 
So thanks for that. And, And the Dave says, like, just as we're seeing these people come together, we're hearing the information that will tear these people apart. And she's his aunt. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? So, so we're getting this super chill information from Bran at the exact moment that the fans are, like, getting super turned on over Danny and John finally boning. And, like, I'm sorry to get graphic, but let's be real about what the last week has been like in the fandom because everyone's been waiting for Don, or John and Danny to bone. Apparently Don um, <laughs> is their new relationship name. <laughs> it was, like, it was not attractive, though. Can we talk? I This was on my list of gripes, so I know it's cheating, but, like, can we talk about the moment in the middle of the sex scene? <laughs> <laughs> of course we can. I yelled at Kelsey about this, but, like, John just stops. Like, his dick is still very much in there, and he's just like, let me look at your face for a hot second, and he just, like, st- they just lay there in silence. They sure did. And then they just start having sex again. Like, I didn't think that it was going to escalate that quickly, but it did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they, like, they do the thing that so many other things have done before, where they have the symbolically meaningful opening of the door and the heteronormative man and woman looking at each other moment, and then the symbolic closing of the door. Right. I don't know what that trope is, but I feel like there should be, like, a sex joke about that trope. Well, it was, it's from, like, back in the day when you couldn't show things on television, so that was, like, the symbol of, (laughs) that's real, it was the symbol. No, 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 I know it's real. I'm laughing because as you said that, I thought about the fact that, like, the reason that garter tosses are still a thing at weddings is because of, like, medieval, like, marriage consummation traditions. (laughs) it's like the film equivalent yeah (laughs) except that because it's these are modern times we get the next step as well because it's on hbo and they want to remind you that this is hbo but at the same time they wanted to remind us that like john is a bowl of melted vanilla ice cream so (laughs) of all of the sex that they've ever had on game of thrones i'm sorry but like this was some of the most vanilla like straight up william sonoma giant jug of vanilla bean paste vanilla sex it was (laughs) it was so bad it was so bad and then like that long, meaningful pause where John is just staring into her eyes, like, took out any, like, ounces of, like, sexuality that would have been in that scene. Yes. I just, like, have a really hard time believing that they were, like, really into it in that moment. I wasn't into it. I also I don't find Kit Harrington attractive, so I don't know no. how that works. Here's my challenge with Kit Harrington. We're going to take this, this like, detour for a hot second here. I, like, think maybe in a different universe I would find Kit Harrington attractive because he's got all three of my, like, big things, which is, like, eyes, hair, and voice. So like, he has, like, like two I'm also, body parts and a voice? 
I like he's he's got nice hair and he's got pretty eyes and I don't hate his voice and so I'm kind of into him and like shut up. So <laughs> how many glasses of wine have you had? <laughs> A few. But he's also super short, as the last week in pop culture has taught us. Mm-hmm. And he wears too much fur, and so I feel like I am not as into him as I should be. I just... Ew. <laughs> Kelsey can't get there no matter what we do. I can't. I'm sorry. So we've spent a lot of time on, like, John and Daenerys sex. I feel like, based on the fact that I have 11 gripes, that there are other things from this episode to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I have notes about how some of the set pieces they used were straight up, like, Pawnee Commons public park areas. That was... Yes! There was an entire scene at a public park. That was rough. Super rough. And then, like, when Jamie goes rogue, I feel like that was just, like, the side lot of the studio. And they were like, yeah, whatever, this works. (laughs) Like, close enough. (laughs) There were also multiple lines that summed up my feelings about the show and I just don't think the show appreciated like how close to home it was hitting the best one I can find is the moment at which Cersei says I don't care what you did I only care what it costs to us (laughs) that is me Daves both Daves I know you're out there I want you to know I don't care what you did I only care what it cost us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Both Daves. It's been seven seasons. I fucking care. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Daenerys says at one point, a dragon is not a slave. Yep. At another point, Daenerys says, this is like moments before Jon and Daenerys bone. And by the way... They literally pass the phone back and forth between the two of them like five times. That's how I knew they were about to have sex. But <laughs> Daenerys says, I can't have children. And John says, has it occurred to you that she wasn't a reliable source of information? Hashtag fake uterus news. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Full stop for one second. Sure. That reminds sure, me. Sure, sure. The level of like what they presume is sly explanation of either foreshadowing or just like the whole long thing about John's heritage. <laughs> like <laughs> the way they position this is like I feel like they think I'm dumb. Yeah, we talked about this last bind off. Like they literally think we're dumb. <laughs> I just want to reiterate. <laughs> that is absolutely true. The Daves think that we are all dumb. That, like, every single person who watches the show is an idiot. Right. That is fact. And they're like, how many times do you think we have to tell them that she can't have kids before she gets knocked up? At least ten. So let's put one here and one here, and we can sneak it in here. (laughs) Well, so the last conversation that we see between Danny and John is that one that I quoted, where she says, I can't have children, and he says, hashtag uterus fake news. And then the next scene that we see, like, an hour later, is them having sex. And so, obviously, the pilot of next season is her super prego, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, girl's gonna be pregging wicked hard in season eight. Yeah. 
That's the only reason, like, we wouldn't have had that awkward conversation with Tyrion about line of succession, and we wouldn't have talked about pregnancy, like, nonstop for the last, like, five episodes otherwise, right? Right. Oh, Kelsey, I know we only get one gripe per episode, but I really need you to get your Cersei pregnancy gripe in here. Oh, my Cersei pregnancy gripe. Okay, I'm going to go for two. Do it. When she is, like, super, super subtly hinting that she's knocked up to Tyrion, and and he, like, can't pick up what she's putting down until, like, the very end, he pours her wine and she doesn't drink it. And I just am not convinced that... In Westeros, they have the technology and science to understand that drinking wine is not great for your fetuses. Dude, in these are modern times, we don't even have that kind of technology. Right. The jury is still out as of 2017 on, like, exactly how much you can drink while prego. Right. So that, I think, is interesting, though, because we have Cersei getting pregnant at the same time that we have Danny saying that she can't get pregnant. And so, like, my assumption is that we're going to walk into season eight with two presumptive heirs to the throne. You feel? Mm-hmm. And, like, Cersei's only going to be a wee bit more pregnant than Danny, right? Because, like, I don't know how time works in these universes. Time seems is like meaningless. It's okay. Passed, They'll all right? be here for the same reason at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like Cersei should have been showing by now based on, like, the fact that we saw an almost battle and, like, people had to travel all kinds of places and, like, a lot of stuff happened this episode and yet it seems to have been about three days. So who knows how much time will pass by the time we get to the pilot of next episode, but I'm going to assume that Cersei's about three months more pregnant than Daenerys. Sure. And we're going to put, like, developmental milestones on these fetuses. Three months is my guess. And, like, I have no idea where they're trying to bring us in terms of, like, the Great War versus the War for the Iron Throne. But I'm going to assume that they wouldn't have made Cersei pregnant first at the, in parallel with them making Daenerys' pregnancy a big deal to not then have those two pregnancies be related to the outcome of the war with the White Walkers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. On the other hand, maybe maybe they'll just all join playgroup together, and then those kids will just be best friends, and they'll get married when they're adults, and that's how Westeros will find world peace. Oh my god, it'll be like that episode of Teen the Virgin, where they are all in playgroup, and then she's competitive <laughs> with um, Petra. With Petra. <laughs> <laughs> then it's a competition to see who will be classroom mom. Yeah! <laughs> So Westeros will be one <laughs> of all of the crossovers that we found this whole season. That one's definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have a, a cyborg dragon we haven't talked about yet. Oh, that's right. I don't the really dragon... want to give it that much time because I hate this fucking storyline. I know it's the storyline. I just hate it. <laughs> Well, I, that's the thing that I hate about it. Like, I think you outline it perfectly. It's the storyline. Everyone is super fucking excited that we have an ice dragon. And over the last week between last episode and this episode, there was so much fucking talk on the internet about what exactly the ice dragon would breathe. And now we know that the ice dragon came out the wall. And, like, I'm not trying to sound elitist. I know how it comes off. But, like, the first time they reanimated an animal as a zombie... I knew that that meant ice dragons. 
Mm-hmm. And so, like, duh, the dragon melted the wall. And duh, the final scene of this fucking season was the White Walkers walking into Westeros. Now what? Right. Now fucking what? Right. Ugh. I just don't care. I feel like the White Walkers are such a ripoff of The Walking Dead when The Walking Dead was popular, and it's just not great. The problem for me is I it's sort of like the direwolves. Like, if you imagine the direwolves are a, ma- a micro version of this problem and the White Walkers are a macro version of this problem, George R. R. Martin made a decision that this thing is meaningful. And put it out into the fictional universe that we are now invested in, that it is a problem, but never explained why. Uh So we know that zombies are bad. And we know that as humans, we don't really want the zombies to win. But I have to say, we've spent so much time in the last seven seasons focusing on who is going to win the Iron Throne, that I don't really know how to prioritize the battles that are ahead of us in Season 8. So now the White Walkers are walking into Westeros. We know that we either need to defeat them or not, but I don't have a way of judging what the stakes are in whether or not they win, and if they win, what it means for the Iron Throne. Like... We know more about the stakes for classroom mom in Westeros. <laughs> right? Like, we know more about the stakes for, like, Sam leaving Old Town with a couple of scrolls. We know more about the stakes for... Littlefinger. For Littlefinger... And his little finger. And his little finger. We know what was going to happen to Littlefinger and his little finger. <laughs> if he stuck it in the wrong place. Like... I just don't know what I'm supposed to think at this point about the fact that, like, there was the whole thing about John and his honor not pledging to Cersei, even though everybody wanted him to lie, which was one of my 12 gripes that, like, everyone was mad at John for not lying to Cersei, but no one told John that he should lie to Cersei when all of them came to the same fucking project planning meeting at the same time. Anyway, but also, his only reason for not lying was that it seems like everyone else lies. Yeah, he was like, too many people lie, so I thought I should be the one who doesn't lie. <laughs> no, no, no. Thanks for being the one honorable person in Washington, House of Cards narrative. <laughs> like, <laughs> the fuck are we supposed to do with that, John? Uh. So, <laughs> I just don't understand, like what our takeaway is supposed to be as the people invested in this universe. Like, John doesn't bend the knee to Cersei because he's already bent it to Daenerys. Daenerys and Tyrion both want him to bend the knee to Cersei so that Cersei will join in the fight against the White Walkers. The White Walkers have already penetrated the wall, which means that they're coming to Winterfell next. John already penetrated, too. You get my drift. <laughs> John's been penetrating a few things in his in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, be real. <laughs> You're right on track. They're obviously going to hit Winterfell first, right? Which is only manned by Sansa and Arya. And we don't know what to think about that because we're left in this triumphant place because they just killed Littlefinger. Except clearly the North is important because they're the first defense against the White Walkers. So the White Walkers can breach the wall. But like, can Arya take faces off of White Walkers? 
I hope so. That seems to be the only answer left. Because that shit still hasn't panned out anywhere either, so... Well, we've made so many jokes recently about the fact that everything comes full circle in this show except plot, right? Right. And so the things that we still have out there are the fact that Arya is one of the faceless men and is a deadly assassin. So can she take it from the White Walkers? Like, how is that going to come in handy now that she and Sansa have defeated Littlefinger? We still have Melisandre, like, floating about the universe, Mm -hmm. who had two fucking cameos this season and, like, stood on a cliffside and said something prophetic and we're supposed to be fucking proud of her for it john and daenerys had sex cersei is pregnant and spent too much time on a bob ross map yelling at jamie winter came to king's landing too yep jamie tromped through the snow in king's landing and it's like oh winter's here as if we didn't (laughs) fucking know that because of the promotional materials from hbo like (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I'm supposed to go into season eight, which only has four episodes, I would like to remind you, understanding what the stakes are for those four fucking episodes, and I just, like, don't know. No. I have no fucking clue. And not in, like, a... Not in, like, a cliffhanger kind of way where it's like, where is the narrative going to take us? Like, there's so many possibilities. It's just like, what the fuck do you want from me, George R. R. Martin? Is this a ransom? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So. (laughs) So we've got a lot to look forward to, huh? Speaking of which, right before Kelsey and I started recording... I tried looking into a release date for season eight <laughs> because for some reason I thought it was coming out in December. Nope. And I've been saying this for weeks. I've been telling people all over the place oh, that no. season eight was coming out in December because I read that somewhere like a year ago. Um, According to the think pieces that we could find on what was it like heavy.com <laughs> and like reliable sources, some other screenrant.com like (laughs) content generators with really promising names (laughs) we may see the next episodes in August we might see them in September we may see them in 2019 who the fuck knows because they're not even going to start filming until March of 2018 so it's anyone's fucking guess when the rest of this fucking show is going to hit hbo yep i'm new here and i know that i'm a naive newborn baby but wouldn't you think hbo would have known that back over a year ago when they made the decision to split the single last season into two seasons you would think they would know that yeah it's tough and i just want to like put it out there that I feel like this is a prime example of why it's problematic to pretend that your show is just one long movie. Ugh! You said that just to trigger me. Exactly. (laughs) Hashtag trigger warning. Like, I feel like it's one of those things that creators say, and certainly Game of Thrones, the Daves of Game of Thrones, were the people who popularized this idea, But they say it because they think it belongs in prestige. But this is the problem, right? Is like, now we're at the end of a season. It's going to be months upon months before we, or years even, 
before we get more content to finish this narrative. And in the meantime, fans are going to be hungry for more and there's going to be content on the internet, which I guess drives interest for the creators and like maybe because of consumerism, that's what we want. I don't fucking know. But in terms of narrative, that's not what you want. The lesson here is that time is meaningless. Nothing fucks you harder than time. Nothing. Except maybe narrative. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe narrative fucks you harder than time. I don't know. I haven't spoken to the Daves recently. (laughs) (laughs) What I do know is that we will be back whenever Game of Thrones returns at the same time (laughs) for the same reason. (laughs) And we will be binding Uh, off again. We will be binding off. So we reminded you back when bind-offs first started that a bind-off is the end of a project. It's how you end a knitting project. And I think it's fair to say that as of right now, we have binded off of this season. We have binded? (laughs) Bound? I don't know how you pass tense knitting. It's bound off. Who says that, though? Find me a single knitting post where someone's like, I just bound off the sweater last week. <laughs> well, it sounds better than bind it off. <laughs> Is this some, like, Work fucking herb? I just bind it off the sweater. <laughs> okay, Masande. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Well, I guess that's all for season seven. I feel like I'm not sad that this season is over, and yet I kind of feel like I'm sad that this is over. (laughs) It's because bind-offs are so much fun. They're way more fun than the show itself, y'all. It's true. If y'all have any feelings about Game of Thrones that we have not covered, please feel free to find us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs or send that to us by email, hatewatchwithus at gmail.com. Even though we're not watching episodes live anymore, please feel free to keep using the hashtag hatewatchgot because I think that's relevant no matter the season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, regular episodes will keep happening on Tuesdays, but otherwise we're not going to see y'all until season eight eventually fucking airs, whether that's 2019 or after the nuclear war or, like, who the fuck knows. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun this season. Like, very much thank you for listening. We'll see you in season eight. Goodbye. Bye. Up in horsey heaven, here's a thing. Trade your legs for angels' wings And once we've all said goodbye You take a running leap and you learn to fly Bye-bye Little finger Five thousand 